0: You're listening to Veterinary Vertex, a podcast of the AVMA Journals. In this episode, we chat about the association of infection with liposomal bupivacaine use in dogs and cats undergoing gastrointestinal surgery with Camille Andrews and Rachel Williams. Camille and Rachel, thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for having us. Camille, your study investigates the association of liposomal bupivacaine in dogs and cats undergoing GI surgery with rates of surgical site or multidrug-resistant infections. Please share with our listeners the background on this study.
1: Yeah, so I think in considering this study and the background of it, we really analyze sort of the broad scope that a study like this might have, specifically in the looking at gastrointestinal surgery and also surgical site infection rates. Um, Gastrointestinal surgery is extremely common in our dogs and cats and is something that is performed not only in, you know, tertiary referral hospitals like UF and and UPenn, um, but also in general practice and emergency practice as well. Um, So in developing a study like this, it was important for me to think about how it could be applicable to not only boarded surgeons, but also to multiple veterinarians as well. kind of in coordination with that surgical site infections are something that veterinarians deal with um, all veterinarians kind of from top to bottom um, and tend to be very costly and very common. And in identifying them, um, prevention is something that is extremely important as well. Um, so in Dr. Williams you know, and I um, were paired up as mentor and mentee this year um, during my intern year. Um, we kind of thought about, you know, what might be a good study. I was very interested in nocida and sort of the applications that it had on a on a sort of. Widespread basis, um, and Dr. Williams had previously published a study um, about incisional infections after gastrointestinal surgery, and microorganisms that were cultured after gastrointestinal surgery from surgical site infections. Um, so it kind of was a um, really good pairing in, you know, looking at the two in in kind of um, together.
0: Yeah, I was just sharing with Rachel um, before you jumped on. I think noceta is very important to look at because it's very widely used too. So just thank you for sharing your
1: findings with JADMA. And Camille, what were some of the important findings from the study? Yeah, so I think the important findings were twofold. Um, the first is that, you know, liposomal buhivacaine or noceta is not associated with an increased frequency of surgical site infections in dogs and cats after gastrointestinal surgery. Um, and I think also... So the other important part of that that kind of um, made our findings hold um, more weight is that the surgical site infection rates that we found um, with dogs and cats that received no mere mirror those that are published in literature after dogs, after gastrointestinal surgery. Um, so we didn't find that we found that a there was no um, big differences in the Frequency between surgical site infection between the two groups, but also that the infection rates that we got in our NOCETA group mirrored published literature as well. Um, and then, secondly, noCEDA isn't associated um, with an increased frequency of multidrug resistant bacteriums from surgical site infections after gastrointestinal surgery. We found that in both groups, multidrug-resistant bacterium were very commonly cultured after um, gastrointestinal surgery.
0: I'm sure that'll be reassuring for a lot of clinicians that use Noceta to know that and have the evidence behind it instead of just guessing. So, thank you again.
2: Absolutely. And, Rachel, what sparked your research interest? Yeah. So, as we know, Noceta is a super hot topic right now. And the use of Noceta or liposomal bupivacaine has really taken off in the last few years. And in most settings, it's used more frequently off label than it is on label. And so that really begs the question of the appropriateness of our use in different settings. And in addition to that, it can be pretty pricey. And in recent times, it's been a little challenging to source. And so I think it's important for us to really be critically evaluating our use, the expense of it, and deciding if the relative difficulty of keeping it stocked is worth the benefit for our patients, and also to make sure that we're not putting them at any increased risk for complications. And so in that vein, I've always heard some talk from colleagues of mine, from other surgeons, uh, some level of concern when using liposomal pivacaine in cases that might have a higher risk of infection. So gastrointestinal surgery being one of those situations. Um, and the reason for that is the liposomal nature of the product, which we love because it allows it to be present and efficacious in an incision for 72 hours, but there's a concern that maybe that increases our risk for incisional infection and wound healing complications. And so in order to make sure that we're ensuring all the benefits of CETA are worth it for our patients, we should also be sure that we're not putting them at any increased risk for those complications. And so that's kind of what spurred an interest in investigating this question in particular.
0: Yeah, I was practicing in Canada um, a few years ago, and I Obviously came from the U.S. and practiced in the U.S. before that. So I was familiar with NoSita and I brought up using it for a procedure that we had scheduled. And they're like, that's not available in Canada. We can't do that. And I was like, oh, that's really a bummer. It's so great. So, um, yeah, definitely can be frustrating when you have that restricted access for sure.
2: Absolutely, and a lot of people are dealing with backorders right now, um, and trying to seek alternative methods, like investigating use of the human product um, instead. And so, going through all these hurdles or all these hoops that you're jumping through, we definitely want to make sure that that effort is worth it.
0: hundred percent. And with that being said, why did you choose to submit your manuscript to JAVMA?
2: Well, JAVMA has a longstanding reputation among veterinary specialists as well as general practitioners, so a very, very wide audience, and. And that's something that attracted us to submit to JAMA in particular. We wanted to ensure that our manuscript, our study, was widely available to a variety of practitioners because this product is used in a variety of clinical settings. Um, and so many people could utilize this information in their daily practice. And JAMA seemed like the right journal to make that happen. Well, thank you very
0: much. We're really happy that you shared it with us, and we're happy to promote it, too, for a wider audience as well. And
2: then, Rachel, what was the most surprising finding from the manuscripts? I think the most surprising thing for me was that of the infections that we did have, it didn't increase the amount of multidrug-resistant infections. Given that the liposomes are present for 72 hours, that's going to fall outside of the window for perioperative antimicrobials in most cases. And so it logically makes sense that some resistant bacteria may be able to slip through the cracks some opportunistic organisms um, just as a result of infiltration of this product. But thankfully, thankfully, we found out that that wasn't true, so we can feel comfortable using it in those settings.
0: Excellent. And Camille, how did your advanced training prepare you to write this manuscript?
1: Yeah, I think my training, although not advanced, kind of started um, back in my undergraduate years. Um, I went to a small liberal arts school and had a very unique major. I was an animal behavior major before veterinary school. And for almost every single final project that we did, we had a a study that we had done during the semester and submitted a scientific paper at the end of it and although it wasn't to any journal receiving continuous feedback over those four years of my undergrad um, i think trained me to not only be able to receive feedback in a positive sense and and you know receive constructive criticism well but also just fine-tuning my skills in writing scientific manuscripts although now my research focuses a little bit different in the clinical and, and surgical aspect of things i think that you know, those skills are very important. Um, Additionally, during vet school, I participated in the NIHBI research um, program over the summer, um, which I think was very helpful in, again, continuing to sort of hone those skills, um, getting in contact and building my network of of researchers that I can reach out to um, in order to help fine tune different papers. Um, And then, you know, being paired with Dr. Williams, I'm so grateful for, um, and my other co-authors, um, and them providing continuous constructive criticism and, um, you know, edits um, back and forth throughout. And, and I think every single edit that I got, every single new manuscript with some edits, I took those in and kind of fine tuned them until we could, you know, publish a product that we were um, very, very um, proud of. Being receptive
0: to feedback is so important, especially in scientific writing, like you said, because you're going to get reviewer feedback, feedback from your co-authors, and I think it's important to take a step back and you know it's not a personal attack. It's just everyone wants us the science to be solid and good so it can really make a positive impact on the field. Mm-hmm. And This next set of questions is really important for our listeners. Camille, what is one piece of information the veterinarian should know before discussing Oceda with the client?
1: Yeah, I think in discussing with NOCEDA, it's important for a veterinarian to effectively communicate what it is and what the goals are, you know, to decrease pain postoperatively. And while the literature is still kind of out of whether there is a true opioid sparing effect for dogs, and it's been debated in different clinical studies, I think explaining to clients that it doesn't increase the risk of surgical Infections and those more long term post operative complications is very important in encouraging clients to potentially, you know, um, give down more, you know, more funds for the surgery in which Noceta could potentially be used.
0: And on the other side of the relationship, what's one thing the client should know about liposomal bupagain?
1: Yeah, I think that it's important for the client to know that. It's labeled time is 72 hours, as Dr. Williams has discussed. Um, 72 hours postoperatively is not only a very important time considering the drug, but also an important time after gastrointestinal surgery, especially when um, the bowel has been entered, um, because we know that the collagenases promote sort of a breakdown of a potential you know, sutured incision site on the bowel right around that seventy-two hour mark. Um, so, noticing clinical signs in an animal at the seventy-two hour mark is not only important because additional pain control may be needed if there was a significant um, analgesic effect from the opio from the nocita, but also because it could potentially mean that um, the gastrointestinal suture site has dehist. Um, so that I think that 72 hour mark, you know, is both important because it may be an effect where the noceta may be wearing off, but if clinical signs are noted, it also might be reminiscent of something else more serious.
0: Yeah. Very important consideration for clients. So thank you for sharing that. Now we're going to end our episode on a bit more of a personal notes. Camille, what was the first concert that you
2: attended?
1: Yeah, I, I remember when I was in eighth grade, I attended the Maroon 5 and Train combo concert. It was amazing. I just remember singing my heart out on the Dallas lawn to all of the songs. Very nice.
2: Rachel, what was the first concert you attended? So it sounds silly, but it was the Wiggles, which I know is probably not anyone's conventional uh, thought when uh, getting asked about their first concert, but it was huge where I was growing up. And there were hundreds of people there. It was a great experience. It's probably been the best atmosphere for a concert of any that I've gone to um, because people were just so excited to be there. And they're great performers.
0: My brother used to watch that. So therefore, I had to watch it on TV when I was growing up. So very familiar with them. But just thank you both, Camille and Rachel. We're just really happy to have you share your work with our audience and for submitting your manuscript to Javma.
2: Absolutely. Thank you again for having us.
0: Of course. And to our listeners, you can read Camille and Rachel's manuscript in print JAVMA or on our journal's website. I'm Sarah Wright, and I want to thank each of you for joining me on this episode of the Veterinary Vertex podcast. We love sharing cutting-edge veterinary research with you, and we want to hear from you. Be sure to leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you listen to.